Although we see like an increase in female doctors throughout the years, there's still a lack of diversity, which like hinders um, future innovations and discoveries and things that like women can do as well. Hi, I'm Cameron Bryant, and this is the Beverly Chat. Today, I am chatting with Rhea Patel, the founder of The Daily Dosage. The Daily Dosage is an online educational community centered around sharing knowledge of the medical field and making it accessible to everyone. Let's get started. Just another sunny day in Southern California. It's where the people came to play. My first question for you is, how did you become interested in medicine? Um, okay, so this is kind of a long story, but basically when I was in pre-K, they had asked me at the end of like the pre-K graduation that, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so a lot of kids wrote, I want to become Santa or I want to become a pedi- uh, or like a, a princess. And basically what I said was, I want to become a pediatric doctor. Like I said, um, baby doctor. So at the time, I just said doctor. I don't know where it came from, but like I didn't know what doctors do because I was like four and I just didn't know much. So I was like, I want to be a doctor and I just put it out there. And then ever since then, I've been chasing towards that goal of becoming a doctor. And I've seen myself like through multiple occasions, just wanting to be in that field and just feel comfortable there. So I remember in seventh grade, um, we had like a lab situation where basically the whole month we had to research as one t- specific type of physician. And I was a pe- or I was an endocrinologist. And so basically they study like all of the endocrine system and hormones and changes and things like that. So with me, what I did was I just did a lot of research on different types of diseases. They gave us five diseases to research and then we got to choose two or three more that we wanted to do. And out of those diseases, they were going to bring in the theater kids to act out like one of the scenarios and one of the like diagnosis. So basically, I had a lab coat and I was like looking like a doctor. They had the little tables with like the um, paper sheets and things like that just to make it look like an office. And I was like, this is like where I want to be. And so the person sat down um, and they started to act out their symptoms like they would mimic the pain and things that people would feel. And I just thought it was like really realistic. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So as they started to tell me the symptoms, I was like, hey, um, what do you feel like here? Is your like eyes moving fast? Like I was taking different notes. And as I started to scroll through all of my notes of all the like previous disorders and diseases that I had looked at, um, I diagnosed the patient with two things. So one of them was really um, like really specific and one of them was really broad. And basically, I went to the teacher and I was like, hey, I diagnosed the patient with this. And my teacher was like, oh, and she only accepted the broad one. And she was like, oh, yeah, this is the right answer. And she's like, I don't have a clue of what like the other narrow thing is. So when she went and searched it up on Google, she was like, oh, this is like exactly what the patient has. And I think like that was kind of crazy as a seventh grader, just being like, I think I have like a really inherent passion for um, research. And I think that passion for research, as well as like my meticulousness by like observing eye movements and things like that, even though I know it wasn't an actual patient, like they were trying to act like that. So I feel like those two things like combined really helped me like realize that, oh, medicine is where I want to be. 
Oh, that's so nice. And it's so good <laughs> to like learn that from such a young age. Like, oh my gosh, I know. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone is that lucky. So I'm just so happy for you because like, that's, that's amazing. Like I have no words um, and really impressive. It's like, not only were you passionate about it, you were also really, really mm -hmm. good at it. <laughs> like, um, my next question for you is um, for our listeners, can you explain what the Daily Dosage is? Mm -hmm. So the Daily Dosage is an organization that I founded back in March to try and explain um, complex anatomy and diseases to other people out there that don't know as much medical terminology and just be, have them be able to understand things about their own body. Like, what does my body do? Um, how does it work? Um, what are the different types of diseases and, diseases and disorders that happen with it? And I think through the daily dosage, I've been able to like push out a bunch of different content on different things while also being able to explore things myself. So we have different areas such as like lesson plans where we teach um, anatomy and things like that. Those are all on our Instagram. And we also have lesson plans for little kids to learn more about like the medical field. Like they have like DIY doctors kids and then they teach them like what um, cotton swabs are and like what tongue depressors are and things like that. Um, and then we also have another area which is called awareness and diseases. So basically diseases is where like we talk about all the different types of rare things that happen in the world. And I think this is very um, like particular to my heart because I have a, a rare autoimmune disease called morphia, which basically causes spots like, like spot-like um, things on my arm, on my left side of my arm, like all alongside of it, as well as my back and my leg. So um, a lot of people don't know about this disease. And so I was trying to find out like, oh, there's a lot of people out there that have different diseases that we don't know about. So I think I should open it up to them. And then after that, we have like awareness, which talks right now about COVID-19 and all the things related to that in terms of healthcare, like vaccines and what are the different types of vaccines you can get? Should you get the vaccine? Things like that. And the very last section, I think is very interesting because I never thought of it before. This was like a new add-on. And basically it talks about TV portrayals in medicine. So um, TV shows, like I know over the break and just um, as general, like high schoolers watch a lot of TV and different shows, like The Office is a classic and like Parks and Rec, um, The Good Place, things like that. And basically from there, I was able to see that like medicine is, not only like shows like Grey's Anatomy and things like that, but medicine is portrayed in almost every single TV show. Like I know I wrote a little bit about The Office and how it um, portrays mental disorders and things like that. Even if it's on like, if, even if it's like a comedy show, it's just shows like, um, there's different types of like disorders that are shown there. So like Michael is shown to be having like ADHD in a sense through like a lot of his different actions. So like I broke it down into those steps and I feel like, a lot of people don't understand that like medicine can be portrayed in very different aspects in TV. And sometimes those portrayals are not accurate. So I know like I watched like one episode of Community and basically it was like where the main character, he um, gets put on um, like depression medicine or like some type of medicine to like um, stop him from getting angry. And basically what happened was it was trying to show that like, he would get more angry while he took that medicine. And it just had like a very different approach to showing like mental health medications. And I feel like that wasn't the right approach to take because it wasn't medically accurate. So while some TV shows are more accurate in medicine, others are not. 
And so I just like to like look at the balance between that and like show readers that like, look, there's actually uh, medicine in TV, but also you can't take everything like as it is. You have to like do more research behind it. That is awesome. Like, it's oh <laughs> amazing. Um, you mentioned The Office and I love The mm-hmm. Office. So does all my friends. And I never looked at it from a medical perspective. I'm not... I'm not a STEM person, (laughs) but um, medicine is not something that I'm very like suited in. But um, while you were talking, I thought about Meredith and how she struggled Mm -hmm. with alcoholism and everything. Alcohol, yeah. Yeah, so I- Yeah, another one I saw was like Andy and his punching the wall. So basically that shows like anger management and how he can get angry really easily. So I thought that was pretty cool. Just like the small things that happen within the entire show it has like a bigger and deeper meaning behind it. That is so awesome. That's <laughs> so great that, you know, there's people like you that can detect like those types of things. And now that I'm thinking also, um, I, I'm i watching the show You with my mom on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And um, for people that haven't seen it, it's practically like this guy that kills a lot of people. And um, um, I'm just like, wow, like I'm taking AP Psych. And I'm like, wow, this guy is like yeah, a yeah. sociopath. <laughs> so um, I think that, um, you know, I think that's really interesting that medicine and media do like collaborate sometimes, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, my next question for you is, um, I know that you mentioned that you started um, the Daily Dosage back in March. Um, and I stalked your Instagram account a little bit. I saw that you had like a whole team of people that are helping you with this. Um, what was it like, you know, building the daily dosage and what was it like composing a team? Mm -hmm. So I think at the beginning it was kind of really confusing and a lot of pieces were just being thrown around because the way I started the daily dosage was basically I had participated in two or three different competitions during COVID-19 through like um i think march through april and i was making a lot of different websites and graphic design through canva and that's when i started to find out like oh i really like graphic design because i've always been an arty artsy person but i didn't know that like i really liked like online things and i just didn't know how to use it at the time so as i saw that i started to see like in my own organizations that i've part of like simply neuroscience and things like that like fiveable and all of that um, I started to see that there's no organization specifically directed directed to medicine and like outreach and putting yourself out there in terms of medicine and teaching others. So I decided to make the daily dosage. But after that, I just made the website my on myself or by my own. And then I started to do like graphic design and things. I was like, I can do all of this by myself. Like I don't need a team. And over time, I was like, no, this cannot happen because like. We had a blog, we had Instagram to manage, uh, the website to manage, and everything was just hectic. And I was like, I can't write my own blog while like making my own posts for the Insta, while posting everything out. So I was like, I'm gonna have to like go out and find new people. And so I started out just asking my own friends, like I put a story on my Instagram, like, hey, do you wanna join? And um, a lot of my friends from like two schools around my district um, decided to contribute and be part of the team. And as I started to grow it, um, people from like all around the world, Japan, India, Australia, China, just everywhere. And I was like, um, how did it reach so many people? But as I think about it, I networked a lot in my online communities and I started to push them too. I was like, hey, if you want to join, please join. And I think just having that team um, after that, I started to see that there were like a lot of imbalance in how much people were putting like time into this organization. 
So I was like, okay, maybe we can have like executive directors and then from there we can keep going. And so like my executive directors um, break everything apart. Like one will post all the posts on the Insta, one will post all the posts on the blog, and then some write some interviews and conduct them. And then other things like that, like some make the lesson plans. And I think this way it's like very much organized and just easier to manage on myself because I think it would be really hard to manage everything by myself. And I'm really glad that I opened it up to like a team of people because I've gotten really close to all of them. And I've met a lot of different perspectives from all around the world. Because if I think about it now, um, it's kind of crazy because a lot of people um, have different ways that they practice medicine in um, their country. So like I know for a fact that India, um, like they have less schooling and although it's a lot more school than regular like um, undergrad would have, it's still kind of crazy because like the way that they practice medicine is completely different from what they practice here. And it's just really cool to see everyone's perspectives on medicine, as well as I think just getting people from writing all around the world. Like I know we have two or three members from Egypt and their contributions are very different from like what we get from like US and Canada. And it's cool to see how they see healthcare in their own like area versus how we see healthcare. And it's just, I think it's really cool, especially as like an aspiring medical professional to see all of these different people talking about different things in their lives and in medicine in general in their areas. Because I think that um, medicine is all about having like open perspectives and like seeing the holistic aspect of things. And I think that's very cool that like I was able to see like all these people and meet them and just learn about their stories with medicine. Awesome. Oh my gosh. You're so cool. <laughs> um, like that's just amazing. Um, I like, I totally understand what you're saying by like, you know, at the beginning, it gets really overwhelming because it's just mm-hmm. so much work like across the board. And I can imagine like how busy you are, but I think that um, it's so awesome that like you're creating a community where um, people from all around the world can be a part of the, the love for medicine. And I think that's just so mm-hmm. amazing. Um, Oh God. Um, (laughs) Like my mind is just blown. Like this is awesome. Um, Oh, okay. Um, Why, why do you think that, um, that people are so open to sharing their thing, their like information and their passion about um, medicine with like the daily dosage? Like how do you feel as though that happened? (laughs) Um, I think that like, the way that the daily dosage works is it's very open so people can choose whatever they want to do like if they just want to be part of our community and hang around meet new people that's totally fine and if they want to write something about their own selves and things like that it's like perfect good um we have more things to talk about but i think that people are much more open because of like it's chill nature that like you can do whatever you want because like I don't want to impose anything because I know some organizations like have a mandatory like, oh, you have to do this every month. But I think that that doesn't um, show like passion or you will be doing it as a burden and not something that you want to do. So I feel like the daily dosage just runs on something that like if someone wants to do something, they can put it out there and do it. Like I know one of my best friends, um, she doesn't want to be part of medicine, but she wants to do something in teaching or marketing. And basically she put herself out there and she was like, hey, I'll join your team, but I don't like to do medicine. Like, I don't want to do that as a a career, but I know I'm taking biology right now and I could use like some help in that. 
So basically what she did was she was able to use, she really loves like illustrating things. So she was able to illustrate a lot of different anatomy concepts and make worksheets out of them since she wants to be a teacher. And so like our entire Instagram is now full of all of her drawings. And I think that like people are just, I'm like really open to what they want to like do. And I think that the daily dosage is just open nature of being like accepting of all different perspectives, like um, what you want to do and things like that, um, just allows people to open themselves up and just discover their passions. Like another girl I know, she was the one who told me about the TV portrayal. She was like, hey, I watched a show the other day and I think she watched Gossip Girl. And she was like, I have an idea for like a post, but I don't know what, what category it would go under. And I was like, that would be perfect. Like if we made a TV show portrayal thing, because a lot of people would be able to relate to that. So I think just like the open nature of the daily dosage in general is just something that like people like to contribute to. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think that um, a lot of people, they, uh, I think people can get shy about expressing themselves and their passions and stuff. So I always admire um, organizations like yours that allow people to express themselves and just be free. So I think that that's awesome. One of the questions that I had planned for you was, um, what changes would you like to see in the medical field over like the next 10 years? Mm -hmm. So, okay, I like to view medicine as part of STEM just because I like to do a lot of different science things as well. And I think the STEM community, like overall, it's just like the number of women in the field are just very low. And I feel like, like as we see doctors in hospitals, we always think like, oh, there's so many more girl doctors out there. But in fact, I learned this new statistic and basically it was according to like 2019 data um, in the medical professional overall, male doctors still outnumber female doctors from like 64% to 36%. And it's like something that we don't think is prominent because we see a lot more girls becoming doctors. Like it's just like firsthand nature to us now that like, oh, we're empowering our women. But overall, if you look at the statistics worldwide, it's just completely different. And I feel like although we see like an increase in female doctors throughout the years, there's still a lack of diversity, which like hinders um, future innovations and discoveries and things that like women can do as well. And I know there has like been a progress to promote women in STEM, but sexism is still like a prevalent issue in these communities because like women are underrepresented just in STEM in general, like computer science, math, engineering, they're all underrepresented in those areas. But like now that I talked about medicine, I think that's also an area that they're underrepresented. Like 36% is not a lot in comparison to 64. And I know that women in STEM face a lot of issues like imposter syndrome and gender discrimination, as well as like implicit bias. And I think that the STEM community and medicine just needs to work towards um, both the gender like equity and equality because um, like educating young girls in STEM and medicine is like very crucial. And I feel like over the next 10 years, I think that's something that um, like us as a society need to work on in terms of like empowering these girls, but we need to make sure that it's it, like being equal and being like equitable is like two different things. And so I think that it's very important that we um, understand this um, like divide and actually work towards both. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's not enough female, female, females in medicine in general. And I think in a way, um, I know we mentioned medicine and media earlier, 
And um, I think that when you go on TV, you may see only like three or four women doctors. And I think that mm -hmm. um, it's also important that like through the media's job, we should, um, we should take time to make sure that we're showing more female doctors and more girls in STEM, because um, if you can see it, you can be it. So um, mm -hmm. I think that that's really cool. What do you think would be like the first step to encouraging more girls to get into STEM? Mm -hmm. So I think like I'm part of an organization called Girls That Steam, where we basically make lesson plans and um, the founder conducts workshops in actually it's in Florida. Um, she does it in Orlando, but basically they bring all these girls together and it's just for girls just to like help empower them. So if they're interested in science, there's a lot of different topics that um, she conducts and like does workshops in. So like the moon phases and small, small things like that you would do on science fair experiments like the elephant toothpaste and all of that. Um, but I think that it's very cool to like um, be able to make that direct connection with the younger girls. And I feel like the first step to connecting um, younger girls to all of this, it would be to like give them more opportunities to explore. Like don't just market towards one area. I think I was just learning about psychology this morning and the way that um, they were talking about it um, was I'm an AP psych. And so I'm learning like, yeah, developmental psychology. And so what they were talking about was like, there's an inherent discrimination when a, a child is born between a girl and a boy. So um, girls are usually given more like pink colors and a lot of different like um, objects like dolls and things like that. And they've, given, they've been given reinforcement that like, oh, you're being a good mom to your dolls versus um, the boys would be given like toys like trucks and building materials like Legos and things like that. And their colors would be mostly blue, but all of the other colors there are, like green, yellow, etc. And I think that like seeing this divide, especially like since I'm studying psychology right now, is very interesting because like at, ever since we were born, we have been like brought up through this like domest domesticated lens. And I think that needs to be changed. And I think just putting more opportunities out there for girls and actually actively like telling them like you can do it because there's not a lot of role models in STEM, especially young role models. So I think that like, as we start to like um, grow as a society, we need to bring more younger um, children and put them out there, like especially parents, they need to be able to um, motivate their children to um, expand to the, like, the best ability that they can. Like, um, I actually became friends with one of the um, girls who is doing like a lot of coding and things like that. Um, she was actually time, kids of, time Kid of the Year. And I think like seeing, yeah, seeing like Githanjali just like putting herself out there, like her parents have put a big step um, forward in terms of like empowering her from such a young age and I think that a lot of other parents in society just need to empower their girls and be like you you can do it like she was the first role model that I saw and she's still younger than me and I just saw her and I was like wow that's amazing and I think a lot of young kids will look up to her and I think we need to be able to um, like spring up more kids like that but yeah awesome I, I already consider you as a role model <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Um, I totally agree. I think that, um, I know for me, um, I love like broadcast media and journalism and just stuff mm -hmm. like that. 
And I know that growing up, it always meant the world to me that I could go on the TV. And even if it was just like Oprah, every day at five, mm-hmm. five o'clock in the afternoon, I would come home and I would watch Oprah. And so um, being able to look at someone and like a feel that you want to mm-hmm. be in, that's like the world. Because um, like I said earlier, I'm so big on if you can see it, you can be it. Because um, you never know like what spark is gonna gonna make someone feel passionate about something. So that's awesome. Um, kind of switching gears here, um, one of the questions that I had for you was, um, I know that you talked a lot about like the workload and everything, and I know that we're both seniors, and you just mentioned that you're taking AP classes. Um, what is it like managing um, work and, and the daily dosage? How is that for you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually part of the IB program, and that's like where we do a lot more writing and things like that. So at the beginning of my senior year, I'm not going to lie, I procrastinated a lot just because it it was like a lot of heavy balance. And I started the daily dosage back in junior year when I wasn't doing anything because like COVID-19 and homework was due every Friday. So we just had like a lot of leeway. And I think as right as senior year started, I took a lot of break over the summer and I didn't realize that there was going to be a lot of college apps and just everything just coming thrown at me. Um, I had college apps, daily dosage, all the other organizations I was already a part of, clubs, school started and IB papers and all of that stuff. And I just feel like at the time I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do all of this. So I took a break from the daily dosage for a few days. And I just like sat down and I was like, okay, how am I going to approach all of this? Like, I'm really passionate about everything I do, but I just don't have the time. So I realized that like, I'm going to have to start planning out my time and prioritizing much more better. So I think when I was in junior year last year, I learned that I could do work much more faster than I needed to like, like, um, I used to spend a lot of time doing work. And I used to do like every small thing I used to pay attention to. Like if my handwriting is bad, no, we're starting over. We're going to do better handwriting because I'm like a perfectionist in that matter. But I realized that like none of that matters as long as you understand the concepts. And I think over senior year, that's just something I've been like um, enhancing in myself that it's okay if your handwriting is like one A is messed up or whatever, like you can keep going. And um I think since everything's online now, it's much easier with all of that as well, just getting everything done. And so I feel like I just keep a to-do list like book now and I just write down everything I need to do. And then I write all of the dates and I just say, okay, what is more um, like important for me to do right now? And I think my passion is what drives me to like finish everything and get everything done in a certain amount of time because I just love doing everything I do. Um, from being part of Simply Neuroscience and making like different um, PowerPoints about different um, things of the brain to studying like AP psychology to writing all my IB papers. It's just something that I'm inherently like proud to do and I'm very passionate about. And I think IB has also helped me a lot. Like I know people say that IB is really hard, but when I think about it, it has given me the ability to explore different topics in the way I want to. So the way IB works is that you can take whatever subjects you want for the course of two years or one year, it just depends. And so I know I took math this year and basically it's all calculus and statistics and probability and things like that. And with me, since I want to go into medicine, um, you're supposed to write a paper on something 
related to math. And it's like, you can make your own math, like you have to make your own steps and find your own topic and do all of that discovery by yourself. And so basically, I know it sounds hard, but basically I did um, the pharmacokinetics of ibuprofen because we all take ibuprofen on a daily basis. And basically what that is, is it shows the profile um, that doctors use in, in order to see like um, how much ibuprofen is going into your body and how it takes the course like over a certain amount of days. And so I was able to model that using calculus. And then for history, I was, um, I'm really keen. I watched a movie, it's a Bollywood movie about this uh, Emperor Akbar. And so I think I was able to talk about like how his, his childhood had influenced his religious policies because he was grown up in like a different area than what his actual religion was. And then I think the biggest project that I've worked on, it's called the Extended Essay, which is for IB. And basically what they do is um, you write a 4,000 word paper on whatever you want to in whatever subject, and you can just do whatever you want. And I chose psychology just because I'm taking psychology and I took IB psychology last year and then I'm taking AP this year. And I think um, my topic was based on geriatric patients and oncology together because I'm just really interested in both areas and I just don't know where I wanna go right now. But um, in terms of geriatric oncology, the way that this IA work, or this EE worked was they talked about like, um, they asked me to research a topic in psychology about this geriatric thing because that's what I wanted to do. And I'm writing a paper right now on how cancer affects an elderly person's brain and how we can help treat that. Because I know there's like a lot of um, geriatric stuff hasn't been established right now. And it's just because it's a new field and a lot of people didn't think about like the um, mental health uh, aspects of this cancer treatment because like cancer takes a toll on your mind and a lot of people don't understand that like doctors only treat you physically but mentally like you need that treatment so I think like through IB I've been able to learn all of these different things and that just helped me and motivate me to um, like go towards my passions and I think that like in terms of time management Google Calendar and um, Trello have been my best friends, especially in quarantine times, because they helped me so much. And I like, I don't know what I would do without like apps that track everything for me. Um, so I'm really thankful for those apps, but just overall, it's just a lot of like organization that you need to be aware of, as well as like time management is a big thing that will only come if you're passionate about something that you're doing. But yeah. <laughs> no, that's so cool. Um... I, that's like, I totally agree. Um, I have a magazine. I have, I do a lot of other stuff and, um, I know that it's so hard to juggle like school and, and work and podcasting. So, um, I am a big fan of writing everything down. I have my to-do list, you know, cause it's, it's really challenging. And then sometimes, um, I think, I know personally for me, I get really caught up in like my work. So I might like not talk to anyone for like a day because I'm just like working yeah. all the time. So um, I think finding the right timing, scheduling to manage like work, school and everything in between is just like so mm -hmm. important. And um, one of the things that you mentioned was your IB program. And I know at my school, we don't have IB. We only have AP. Mm -hmm. Um, but from what it sounds like, it, it sounds like you're 
kind of in like an open curriculum, I guess. And you yeah, get- so it's internationally based. And so basically everyone from around the world who has IB at their school is able to take this curriculum that's like based on like the international curriculum. And your teachers just get to choose how to teach it. But overall, like the graders instead of AP, like how it's just like the most of the graders are in the US, like the graders are from all around the world in different areas. So like we get to learn like British English spelling sometimes through like the rubrics and things like that. And it's just pretty cool because it's just open and it allows you to explore a lot of things while also teaching you the course content. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think um, that's really great for someone like you who's so interested in medicine because it gives you like the space to like explore like psychology and math and intertwine them all together. So I think that's like amazing. Um, Okay, so um, moving on, um, I know that you gave a lot of advice about scheduling and all the other stuff. Um, what advice would you give to someone who might be like me and who's um, not the biggest STEM person, but who wants to try STEM or, or like just anyone who just wants to get into the medicine field? Like what advice would it be? I think that the first step would be to find what you're interested in. So the way that works is for me, just research a lot of different topics. Like I know when like people are stuck on what career they wanna do and things like that, they just search up a bunch of different careers and be like, can I fit in this career? No, can I fit in this? Yes, like that. And then from there you can like narrow down. So with research for me, um, I got particularly interested in oncology just because I have like had people in my family who have battled cancer right in front of my eyes. And so I've seen their journey and things like that. And I've seen how much impact it puts on their mental health. And I think I'm really interested in neuroscience from the start, ever since I took um, IB psychology last year. But the brain just fascinates me. And so I want to major in neuroscience next year. But um, the way that I found that passion for neuroscience was through my psychology class. And then I started to research deeper. Like, okay, I like oncology just because I want to learn more about it, just because I've seen people with it. And then I don't know how I can relate this to neuroscience. So I started to search up like um, oncology and neuroscience articles and things like that. And that's when I found like, wow, this is actually really prominent. Like you need to have um, like addressed your mental health when you're having cancer because like physical and mental health are two different things. And um, then from there, I'm also interested in pediatrics just because I love working with kids. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work with kids and things like that. And I just love the environment of kids. And I feel like pediatric oncology is a very sad area to go into just because like if you imagine, um, I've seen adults with cancer and it's very hard on them. So imagine how hard it must be on kids because kids are just kids. They want to play around and things like that. But when you have cancer, you have to quarantine yourself. You just have a lot of different life experience. So I wanted to play a role in their lives as well. So I actually, um, even before like all of deciding anything, I decided to become part of the pediatric on or pediatric uh, National Pediatric Cancer Foundation, where basically they um, have ambassadors from all around the world that they can talk about all the different um, pediatric topics they want to. And um, I was able to raise a lot of money for oncology. Um, for these kids because I found out after being a part of this ambassador program that only um, four, I think 4% of um, medications that are developed for cancer are made for kids. 
there aren't that many made for kids. Like it's more high dosages for adults. And so they put all their money towards um, developing these medicines for kids. And I feel like it's just really cool. But going back to what we were talking about, I think the thing for young people wanting to go into STEM or medicine is just to follow their hearts and like reach out, research, meet new people, believe in yourself. And I always like to say that like, if you can dream it, you can definitely achieve it. Cause that's something that's very important. The STEM field has like numerous opportunities for you to explore yourself, but you need to be able to reach for the ones that captivate you and definitely find your passions because if you don't reach for something that captivates you and you reach for something for like resume building or just because, oh yeah, it's there, so I'll just reach for it. It's something that you will think of as a burden and not as a passion. And I know I said this before that like, you need to be passionate about what you are doing because if you are not passionate about it or if you do not have an interest in it, then you're gonna be just not um, happy with what you're doing. It's kind of like what you do with jobs, right? Like. Um, if you have a job and just for the money, it's like, oh, I don't like this job, but I'm just getting money out of it. It's something that you're not going to be motivated to work in. And it's just an environment that you don't want. So I think that it's early on, it's very important for you to explore these areas. And then when you find your passion, continue to go at it. But don't go at it just because someone else tells you or like imposes it on you. Or if like you just see it as a money making or something else like that. It has to be something that comes from within that you experience and you enjoy. Actually, that's amazing. That's so great. Um One of the things that was like so interesting to me was um, how you mentioned how cancer impacts um, mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is how COVID is impacting mental yes. health. Um, do you have like any thoughts on that? And and what's going on? Um, so basically, actually, I was part of an organization or a competition, I must say. Like, um, it was called Quarter Zero Cup, and it's basically you make your own startup, and you can make it in any area you want to. There were different areas that they gave you, and then you could choose. And mine was mental health because of COVID-19. And I was like, teenagers need somewhere to unleash their mental health, talk about it with other people. And if you are not comfortable talking with someone, you need to be able to do it anonymously. So what we did was we made a, it was a four person team and we all were from like different areas like California, Nevada, and Texas. And basically we talked about how mental health is very prominent in um, just teenagers life in general. But then we started to bring it in the COVID-19 aspect, like, wow, this is actually going on. Like people are staying at home. They need more people with them. And so we made a mental health service with the help of the mentor who was the founder of the Quarter Zero. And um, basically what it does is there is a call, chat, and text uh, like service where it's like all anonymous. We did it through like um, anonymous chat chatting and things like that. And then we tried it out. And a lot of people asked for things like relationship advice and just they're stuck at home. I don't know what to do. But then there were some people that this was like really eye opening. There were some people that were just like, um, I don't I think I'm done with life. Like, I don't want to live anymore. And it was just some depressed people came on there and we were we were like, wow, there's like this is actually going on in the world, especially during COVID. And it was just an eye opener because you don't talk to people like that on a normal basis. 
And so as we started to see more people, of course, we couldn't help them as much. Like we would be like, oh, what's going on and things like that. But we can't help people that like are wanting to end their lives. So we would have to send them to the suicide hotline and things like that. Just because it's very crazy. Like um, I think COVID-19 has taken a toll on everyone's mental health. And I actually wrote an article about this in the Daily Dosage, and I think it's floating around in some other blogs as well, just because I want to get my message across. Like, COVID-19 has taught me so much over, like, this entire pandemic, and I think that um, some lessons that I've learned is to, like, be really grateful for what you have, the environment that you're living in, because, like, you have a roof over your head. You're, you have family to live with. And especially I'm really thankful because I have seven people in the house. So it's never getting boring. Like, cause I know that like, I haven't seen my friends in nine months. Like, of course we talk and we call sometimes or like during school, but it's not the same. And I think human connection is very important. Like I'm very thankful for having seven people in the house that I can connect to every single day because I can see their faces and just talk to them like a normal human being because I know that it's, it's hard for like people that are by themselves or it's just their parents and them because it's, they're not like, of course you see your parents and things like that, but you don't have anyone to like share your issues with or things like that. You just don't have that outlet. And I think that it's very important to um, be aware of your mental health and just make sure that like you have someone to talk to even like someone you can rely on 24 7 like if something's happening to you you can call them still and i'm just really thankful to technology the um the frontline workers that put themselves out there like all the grocery store workers the garbage um like uh collectors the um the hospital workers just everyone that's working towards keeping society the same and maintaining it because we think about like, oh, we want to go out and that's it. Like we're done staying home because I know I've stayed home for like nine months and I'm just, there's some times where I'm just like, I'm done staying home. I want to go out. I want to see my friends. It's just, this is over. And I think that a lot of people have that mentality that like, oh, I need to get out of the house. But when you think about it, you have to take a step back and think about like how many lives you're saving just by staying home. And you also have to think about like um, the like the things that you have in the house, like you have your phone, you have your laptop, you have other things that you can um, meet new people with. And I think COVID-19 has given me like an opportunity to reach out to other people, especially in online communities. I've met so many people from all around the world. And I just find it really cool that like, wow, um, you have, like I've taken this opportunity to actually meet more people. And you would think that like staying at home, you would just be by yourself and things like that. But there's other ways that you can meet new people. You can put yourself out there. And also one last thing about COVID-19 that I wanted to say was um, like being part of a like society that is very like interconnected with people like and human connection. I think it's very important and can get really depressing at sometimes because like um, you don't see that human connection every single day. And I know it can be very demotivating as well, especially during school, because in school you have someone to keep check on you and like, oh, you're not doing this right. Okay, you're gonna like do something for it. But I know like right now there's a lot of people online schooling and things like that. Like I know some people go to school, but it's just different. And um, online schooling for me has been very different because they give you a lot of time in between and it's like less learning than it would be if you were at school. And it's just kind of crazy. And some people like will mute the tab and like go somewhere else and things like that. 
So I know like it's very hard sometimes in demotivating that, oh, you still feel by yourself even though you're on a call with someone. And I think it's just, you need to take this time to introspect and think about what you really want to do. Um, I know with me, I've actually been able to find out different things that I've been interested in through like throughout COVID-19. Um, I never knew that I was um, really good at making puzzles. Like that was just something that someone had gifted us a puzzle for Christmas. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go at it, I guess. And I ended up really liking it. Like, um, it's just really fun. And I know I've been able to learn embroidery over COVID-19. It's just some things you can pick up hobbies that you want to do. It's more of a time to like self-explore. And I think you need to take this moment of COVID-19 to not only improve your mental health by like taking up things that you explore, but also just like call a friend and just make sure they're okay. Like, I think one other thing that's very important is that um, like you need to keep that connection even if like someone's not there. Cause I know like physical is very important to like have that physical contact and things like that. But it's also important to just reach out because I know a lot of people, you don't know what they're going through. And I think just like calling them, giving them a call, like even family members, like if you haven't talked to them in a while, just call them up and be like, hey, how are you doing? Because I think it's very important to have that or maintain that connection with that person because you don't know what they're going through, as I said before. And it's just, you don't know what circumstances they're being put through. And um, you never know when someone might need your help. And I think that's very important, especially when people are stay, staying at their homes and things like that. It's very important to just make sure that everyone around you or everyone you know or you love is safe. But yeah. Yeah, no, that's so perfect. I think that's like the perfect thing to end it with. Like that was an amazing <laughs> answer. Um, just another sunny day.